0: Welcome back to Favorite Things. Uh, tonight's selection, uh, or today's selection, whenever you're watching this, <laughs> we're getting ready to watch this uh, in the evening. Um, is Casper from 1995? Um, going into this, uh, what what are your memories? What are your expectations as we sit down to to watch this now nearly nearly 30 year old movie? <laughs>
1: yeah. I remember Casper was one of the few cartoons we would watch growing up when I was little. We watched Casper the Friendly Ghost. I remember when they made the movie. I don't remember when I first saw the movie, if I saw it when I still live with my family or not.
0: Yeah, but this I'm, is this is one that I don't know if your family would be into. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to
1: think if you were the first one I watched it with or it was just after I moved out. I don't remember.
0: I, I don't remember if I was the first one to watch it with you or not. But I really enjoy this movie um, in much the same way that we talked about in the Hellboy episode. Talking about there's kind of a, a needle to thread in, in trying to make certain things happen in a movie. This is a, a pre-World War II uh, comic and cartoon that they're trying to turn into a... A family live-action property, and this could this could go extremely wrong. This movie could go extremely wrong, and it really works well and will in my memory. I've mm-hmm. worked, I haven't watched it in a few years, yeah. but I'm looking forward to watching it. The thing I remember most from this movie is the James Horner soundtrack. Okay. And I'm really looking forward to, to seeing this movie and seeing if it holds up the way I remember because the soundtrack, even now, is in my Spotify playlist.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I love James Horner. Uh, God rest him. He, he was one of my favorite composers. And I think his score, if I remember correctly for this movie, his score did a lot of emotional heavy lifting and we'll talk about that um, i'm sure when we get to the movie proper but this is my memory this is my expectation going in and i remember being surprised by the movie how how magical it felt uh, it sounds silly to talk about something about ghosts and and not think of it as magical but it could have come off as cheesy it could have come off as just a goofy comedy but i remember it feeling special yeah. so what anything else you you want to say before we take a brief break so that we can watch yeah. the movie uh before we hop back into recording Oh
1: no, i always remember i liked casper so i don't really remember the movie
0: very much okay well we are about to watch casper from 1995 Uh, If you haven't seen Casper in a while, uh, or you just want to listen to something else, put us on pause and come back when you're ready to listen to us talk about Casper in 1995. We'll be right back. Um, Bobby wanted the first word, and so she got it. Um, (laughs) We're back. Uh, So, right off the bat... um, this movie did not hold up for me <laughs> okay. uh it's well that's not fair uh the movie's plot didn't hold up for me the the movie's production design uh the performances and the and the music the music certainly held up for me mm-hmm. um but the the movie's plot it didn't but um what for you, what do you think?
1: I thought it was fun. I forgot that Bill Pullman was in it. And he's one of my favorite actors. So, that's always a plus there. Bill
0: Pullman is one of the most underrated actors yes. of, of the past 30 years. Um, so, I I like the movie. It just, I don't think it holds up for me.
1: Okay, that's fair. But uh, but you cheesy. did? Yeah, I, I like it. It's really cheesy, but I'm like, it's a ghost story. It's, it's okay, or whatever, you know.
0: But. That's true. There is a certain amount of uh, of suspension of disbelief. I think for me, the the thing that fell apart on this rewatch is the quote unquote love story between Cat and Casper.
1: Yeah, that was weird.
0: Um, And I think that that is supposed to do a lot of the emotional heavy lifting for this movie. And when that falls apart, it falls apart. And then the baseline plot of the movie is every 90s kids movie you ever saw. There's an evil person out (laughs) to exploit uh, the main character's home or, or home turf and the the main characters have to protect it. And then you've got uh the three uncles, uh <laughs> Stretch, uh Fatso and Stinky, yeah. and they're the they're the fart joke humor for the movie. And it's <laughs> it's not even particularly good fart joke humor. Yeah. And it's it's a good kids movie in my mind, but I don't think it is elevated beyond that. We're this is the same year that Toy Story comes out,
1: yeah.
0: um, and where Toy Story is a movie that I would put on as an adult just to watch as an adult. Yeah,
1: it holds up really well.
0: Um, Casper is one that I'm like. I don't know that I will watch this one again. You know, maybe on Halloween, but <laughs> I don't think I'm just gonna put this one on unless I've got a niece or a nephew or a, a younger people around to yeah. to watch the movie because I think a large portion of this movie's audience is
1: twelve years old, yeah,
0: I was ten when I saw this movie yeah. um and uh it's neat watch this and see where everybody kind of went after it, yeah. Um, Christina Christina Ricci is still doing amazing performances. Is
1: that cat? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, Wednesday Adams herself. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um,
0: who's about to be in the Wednesday Adams TV show as a different character? Um,
1: That's why she looks familiar to me. I, I well, seen she's
0: she was right in that tween period because she had just finished up Adam's family one and two. And, uh, those are movies. If we have time, we might do a bonus episode at some point to throw up for Halloween. Um, but this, the movie as a whole is an enjoyable experience. I don't know if it's a great movie. Um, fair enough. I I think that the I think that the set design I think that some of the plot elements are really neat. There's some really neat ideas. Um and I can see a lot of the framework of uh while the movie was on, I was kind of I'll be honest, I was struggling to to stay in it. And so I when I'm struggling to stay in a movie, I look up trivia on a movie. And Mm -hmm. I look up uh, research and and things on it to maybe deepen my appreciation for it. And the trivia on this actually did deepen my appreciation for the product as a whole. So this is an Amblin Entertainment uh, feature, which means it's produced by Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg had been wanting a Casper the Friendly Ghost Movie for ages. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1990, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie comes out, and he goes to the director, approaches him, he's like, "Hey, how would you like to do a Casper uh, friendly ghost thing?" And he's like, "Nah, I don't, I don't know if I'm into that." And uh, Steven Spielberg moves on, and eventually that director expresses regret, um, and then Alex Proyas, who did The Crow and Dark City and iRobot comes in and starts working on this thing. He's going to direct it, and he's helping them come up with all sorts of production designs. He's one of the people who helps them decide uh, that the haunted house that they're going to live in isn't going to be a traditional haunted house, like a Victorian, like, uh, 17 to 1800s home. It's going to be like a 19th century modern uh, kind of weird, off-the-wall type house. And that setting for this house actually kind of makes a unique feel for the film. And I think that the the setting for this film is spectacular. And honestly, if Universal has a Casper's house that's set up looking like that, that'd be a fun attraction to go to. It's very Haunted Mansion-esque. Um, and then uh, finding out that Alex Proyas wanted to do this movie um, as a darker fairy tale uh, a lot like the Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. it's it starts out bright but it gets very dark and he wanted to he wanted to tell that story and you can see a lot of that in the story that made it to the screen and the unfinished business the fact that Casper isn't a ghost who was born a ghost, like in the comics, he is a he's he was a twelve year old boy who died of pneumonia. That's dark. Yeah. Um. And the the emotional through line that did work for me of uh, Doctor Harvey, uh, by the way, uh, uh, Doctor Harvey and Cat Harvey our name for Harvey Comics the publisher of Casper. Oh. Uh,
1: <laughs> nice. Uh,
0: Dr. Harvey trying to be a therapist for ghosts, also he can find his dead wife. That's that was something that did resonate with me as an adult. Um, and his performance and eventually when Amy Brenneman of all people I I knew his wife Was in this movie. I didn't know it was Amy Mm Brenneman. Who I love from uh, Heat. And from Daylight. um, And she's been...
1: Judging Amy.
0: Never seen it. Um, But... That story is interesting. And even the Casper... I feel like Casper, for me in this movie, works better, less as a character and more of just as a, almost a a, a plot foil. Um, to give you an example of what I mean, in the movie The Dark Knight, the Joker's not really a character. Not really. He's He's an obstacle that pops up you don't know why he's doing anything you he never says what his intentions are literally all his intentions are are to cause chaos in the movie and it's inciting action that makes the movie go along and i feel like this movie almost works better if casper in the same way that his uncles are there are there. A lot like the Marx Brothers and the old Marx Brothers movies, they're not the plot, but they're what makes the plot keep moving mm. through the movie. And when Casper became part of the plot, I was sitting there and I'm like, "Why isn't why isn't this co- coalescing for me the way I remember it coalescing?" And I think part of it is as a as a not quite teenager watching this movie uh it's you know as a kid any love story of a kid is like oh this is this is true love <laughs> and then as an adult I look at any of those stories I'm like man that's dumb yeah. uh yeah. because you're you're looking at that and for for all good intentions and and stuff, kids aren't fully formed yet mentally, and it's like, ah, oh, kid, you, you've you've got a crush. That's cute. That's sweet. <laughs> all right, it's a little weird that the dead kid is wanting to be boyfriend girlfriend with the with, with the, the live girl. girl. Yeah, yeah, it's a little weird. Um, I think it was also a little weird to me that. So, Casper, the ghost, feels younger than 12. Yeah. Like, he almost feels like, like, 9. Yeah. The the ghost does. And then, all of a sudden, when Casper becomes a human, he's Devon Sawa. And it's like, oh, okay, I understand why, you know, Devon Sawa and, uh, and I'm blanking on... Cat. Uh, uh, (laughs) You were saying it. Yes, I was. Anyhow, we'll come back to it. My brain's just. It's getting late. (laughs) My brain's fried. Anyhow, I understand why the two of them would be interested in each other. I understand uh, all of that. But when Casper is interested in Cat. It feels like an like a little boy looking at any older girl or woman and going, She's gonna be my girlfriend. Yeah. It's like, it's cute, but you need to you back need to babysitter
1: off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that's sweet. You need to back off.
1: Yeah.
0: And um and so that it's it's a little weird when the ghost who feels younger than a teen. Turns into a teen, and then turns back into the not-quite-a-teen yeah. ghost. Um, I'm just like, I'm like, um, okay. Yeah. I I, I, get, I, get it, but at the same time.
1: Yeah, I understand that. It's not something I thought of while I was watching, because even when she found his toy room, all the toys were based on a much younger child. It was
0: it was very infantile, yeah. and and I was like, I I think, I think if they would have skewed a little older in Casper as a ghost, it would have done. The plot a favor, in terms of. That relationship, however, I think it would have hurt the Casper the Ghost side of things.
1: Yeah, because Casper the Ghost is a cute little ghost, and he's friendly, and he just wants a friend.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I'm I feel like I've beat this horse yeah. to death. Um. So I still
1: think it's a cute movie. Oh no, I think if we ever have a child. I think that this movie
0: them. has. I think this movie has um, atmosphere. I think it has. Um, Again, I want to get into the music because the James Horner music does absolutely hold up. And it does 90% of the emotional heavy lifting in this movie because at any point, if you really think about any relationship that's on screen, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you immediately fall out of it. But then you hear that um, just magical James Horner score and most scores that James Horner did up until I would say Titanic are just magical there there is something effervescent about them that you just I will turn on a, a James Horner score sometimes uh to fall asleep to because it's it's that kind of magical music mm. it's uh he was one of our great composers until he Uh, passed away due to a tragic plane accident in uh, 2014. Mm. Um, But, yeah, this, it's kind of hard to talk about it. I don't think this is one of my favorite things, but I do think it might be one of my favorite Halloween-feeling movies. Yeah. I, I feel like this is the other side of Hocus Pocus, where Hocus Pocus worked by and large for me um even as a as movie this one just kind of fell apart um and i think it fell apart because i i was looking much closer yeah so if you didn't watch this movie um and and i pray you're not watching movies like this type of movie like this um don't Look so closely. Maybe just enjoy the ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, and enjoy the fact that this is this is a, a kids movie from 1995. It is formulaic as I'll get out. Eric Idle is playing every non Monty Python character that he mm-hmm. ever played. Um. And oh, we completely. You, missed the mark this is also in the ghostbusters universe oh really you didn't see dan Aykroyd as ray stands come out of the house and go who are you going to call call someone else
1: no i didn't see that you apparently
0: weren't paying attention um so dan Aykroyd has gone on record as saying yes this movie is in the ghostbusters canon there
1: you go i will say that um the part that kind of fell apart for me, you know, because I, I enjoyed it in the whole, but the part that fell apart for me was the villainess. The way she died, like, her, at her own... It was her own fault. There was, nobody was after her except for her trying to kill her
0: so person
1: because she thought she'd bring them back to life. There's
0: a movie reason that that had to happen. And the movie reason for that is in a In a movie, if anyone else was responsible for her death, they have to die or pay consequences. Right. Um, Anytime you're writing a story for mainstream consumption, there are rules you have to follow. And one of those rules is the minute someone kills someone, there is a price they have to pay. And it's, um, it's the reason that, spoilers for the Star Wars sequels, when Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, uh, kills Han Solo, at that moment, no matter what, by the end of the trilogy, he has to die. Yeah. Because he has, he has murdered someone. Yeah. He now has to, even if he's redeemed, he has to die. And that's that's I think in some places written, but it's a where it's not. It is an unwritten rule of had the the henchman played by Eric Idle uh, killed her um, actively, then then he would have had to die. And they never show him actually die, even though you can.
1: You know he died. <laughs> uh, well,
0: the movie's kind of funny because. Uh, Someone can literally fall down 35 stairs, and, and, and they're fine. They don't even have a bruise. But if someone falls down a manhole, they die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a, person, a person can um, literally get thrown out of a 30-foot window, and they're good enough to jump in their Range Rover and try to drive down their henchmen. Yeah. But at the same time, if they drive their Range Rover, one of the best protected vehicles on the road... <laughs> off of a cliff, they instantly die.
1: Well, she didn't drive off the cliff, she hit the tree, and then she stepped out and fell down, down the cliff.
0: It doesn't matter. It, it's, <laughs> it's inconsistent yeah. rules, regardless. But yeah. it's, it's a cartoon. This is a live-action cartoon. Yeah. Uh, things I really did enjoy, I did enjoy all the cameos. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the, the cameos by Clint Eastwood, Rodney Dangerfield and Mel Gibson and the yeah, Crib yeah. Keeper.
1: <laughs> uh
0: I it felt a lot like um another Steven Spielberg produced property. It felt like Animaniacs. It felt like, hey, we're gonna have fun with that. Yeah. And the moments where the movie did that worked for me.
1: Yeah.
0: And as I think about it. Where Hellboy was three movies in one, and they tied together, and and they came together into a a whole. This movie is either two, two and a half movies that never really come together, but they're two really fun movies. And one is the kind of uh, melancholic ghost story, and the other is a live-action cartoon. And both are good separately. Yeah. But where they overlap is where you see the seams and you're like, ah, it feels weird. Yeah. It's still enjoyable.
1: It was it was still enjoyable. I that's the the kid at heart in me that growing up I mean even into my twenties we only watched kids' movies, so we that kind of
0: we as a couple watch kids movies. Well, yeah, but but
1: I was saying that's all we watched when I was growing up. You introduced me. You opened the world to me in movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so this was just a piece of. I don't remember if I ever watched this with my, you know, with my family. I might have, but this just kind of brings me back to that aspect of my
0: childhood. Mm-hmm. No, and I. I think that this is worth a watch in 2022. I think that there are I think there are other movies that will give you similar feels. Um but I I think if if you're going for a better Halloween movie, I would lean Hocus Pocus. But if you're wanting kind of a live action cartoon that has some of the other mm-hmm. stuff, this one's pretty good. All right. Anything else you want to say before we wrap? No, I think
1: think I'm done.
0: All right. Well, guys, we'll be back uh, either next week or sometime between now and next week. Um, uh, Spoilers, we're recording this on October the 22nd. um, And this is the last regular recording coming out before Halloween. We might have a Halloween surprise. We might not. Um, if uh, if we don't give you one, you can stop by our house and throw candy at us. Uh, but regardless, we hope that you'll keep enjoying your favorite things um, and keep coming to listen to us talk about ours. Have a great week.
1: Bye.